Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One bear dad. One knife dad. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric. It's a good night, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. Eric, don't die. I was so far away from the microphone. I know, but I don't... You, you We need you. I know, but I'm just upset that you could hear it. <laughs> I was even coughing into my arm so hard. That big... Trying your, not to make a sound. If I had... Big, meaty if, python. I do have really huge arms, don't I? Just flaunt them around on social media all the time. I, well, I mean, they're not going to go away just because someone's taking a picture of me. You need to cover they're, them up. They're, do I? Mm-hmm, they're dangerous. They, uh, if I put them in my pockets, I'm hiding a deadly weapon. <laughs> We should stop. This is episode 191. Hey, Hands Mice, how you guys doing out there? We are going to be discussing Miracle Man, volumes one through three, by the original artist, Alan Davis. <laughs> Many, there's like four or five uh, uh, artists on it with Alan Moore. No comment from Eric. I don't, want, I don't want to comment. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> I'm done. We're going to talk about it for like half an hour later, so. (sighs) We'll we'll see. It'll just be me making puking noises for half an hour. All right. Okay. I'll I'll withhold withhold comment until we get there. (laughs) Uh, Before that, we have comic books that came out this very very past week to talk about. We sure do. (laughs) Thanks for throwing it over to me. I assume that if I'm quiet, eventually you'll just talk. Well, it's just uh, the quiet just makes me feel awkward. It doesn't work with Matt, though. doesn't work with Matt. I can't just be quiet and expect him to talk. I guess that's true. What you have to do is try and say something, and then he'll talk over you. <laughs> like, actually. How many... Do you... Have you hosted a podcast with Matt before? <laughs> <laughs> I have recorded one with him on that, the line, yes. That's true, you have. I also am, I also am, am his friend. <laughs> I've been in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can move on to our first segment. First segment is time for Weekly Floppies. Weekly Floppies is the part of the show. Eric and I will read a selection of this week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. Go, uh, we, there may may not be a mush meter involved. It goes from one to five if we're feeling a little, little bit mushy. Mm-hmm. Our first book of the week is Faith and the Future Force, number one. Written by Jody Hauser, Art, Steven Segovia, and Barry Kitson. Colors, Ulysses Ariola. Ariola, letters, Dave Sharp. We read uh, the first Faith book a while back. I remember. Did Jody Hauser also write that? Do not remember. I did not do my research and did not look it up, and I expected you would. Oh. But neither of us did. Mm-mm. I believe so. Yes, she okay. did. Yes, she did. I didn't enjoy it, but I do like the Josie Howard, Jody Hauser penned uh, 
Oh, what's that young animal book? Why can't I think of it? Mother Mother Night? What's it called? That's Mother, a, that's a Kurt Vonnegut book. <laughs> Mother Panic is the name. Mother Panic. Yeah, not Mother Night. Um I am not wild about this book because it is um it really feels like it's about ninety percent references to science fiction for next to no reason. I don't know. I don't really I just I just don't I don't love it. It, it's fine. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think there's interesting things in here, just because there's a lot of room for goofy fun and time travel stuff. Because right. you can just, like they did in this issue, wipe away anything that hey things went wrong. Hey, just wipe it away. Time travel didn't happen. And I don't know. There was like. I've liked comic books in the past that maybe weren't good, but were goofy fun because there's a lot of time travel and dumb continuity stuff like this. I, if I, I don't think I'm getting some, like, what is with the little, the evil robot thing? Is it, it's saying things that I think are, I mean, I know, I recognize I'll be back, mm-hmm. but what smoke me a kipper? I'll be back for breakfast. Was, is that from a, is that from something? Um, you know, I don't know that this is, I don't know that this has anything to do with it. Okay. But I feel it, it, to me, it seemed like it, like when it killed her, it absorbed like her, like weird quoting science fiction shit. Okay. You know, like it absorbed part of her personality. I, that was how I read that because then it did, of course, quote all those other things. But it also said resistance is futile before she did that. I guess. I guess that's also possible. Like I said, it's, it was a, a weak theory. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's, I don't, I, I don't find it char- as charming as they mm-hmm. probably want me to. I think if it, yeah, I, I, I think if it leaned, I don't know. It's not bad. Uh, I don't want to call it bad. I just, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's okay at best. Yeah. I but, think, and honestly, I don't know. I, I, I think a story like this is kind of riding on the goodwill that we have for existing characters or something like that. And I don't really have a whole lot of goodwill for Faith, and I don't know any of these other characters. They just seem like generic superheroes that I don't like. I mean, I think that's the problem with a lot of the Valiant books, honestly, is that I know I know Faith's a new character, but even when we're reading Bloodshot or whatever, I go, yeah, this doesn't. I don't have any nostalgia yes. for, for any of these characters, so I don't. The universe is not gonna like, in and of itself, is not doing anything to me to like make me really interested. So it has to. I, I think it just has to. I, I don't know. I would you read an issue two of this? I would give it a shot, just based on the fact that I loved, or I loved what I read of Mother Panic, um, and that this isn't terrible. I would not have a whole lot of faith for it, but I would, I would give it a shot. See what you did there. It wasn't on. It wasn't intentional. If it was, I would have leaned into it a little bit more. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Are you a buy? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I'm. E- I am either. Yeah. I. I mean, I think it looks nice. I think. I think it looks fine. Okay. Fine. That cover is really nicely done. I don't really care for the interior that much, 
But I mean, like, I don't know, this Farrah clone. She looks, she, I don't, I, she is a lot like Farrah, isn't she? I'm not like crazy, right? No, that's, I mean, even the, I mean, you put her in that suit, it just makes yeah. it more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Just put her, give her a jetpack and a rocket arm yeah. and suddenly she is Farrah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm, that, a, I'm also right. a do not buy, uh, but okay. I, I would check out a, like perspective issue two to see if the book lean further into time travel shenanigans because I like time travel shenanigans at times. Double do not buy on faith and the future force. Number one. Next up is BRPD. The devil, you know, number one story by Mike Mignola and Scott, uh, Scott Alley art by Lawrence Campbell colors, Dave Stewart letters, Clem Robbins. Can I also rush in and give my opinion on this? Mm-hmm, absolutely. I don't like the way Mike Mignola writes. Okay. I just don't. I have, I, I don't think I've ever enjoyed a Mike Mignola written comic. I can't think of any that I've ever enjoyed. Can you pin- Like, I think, do, do what now? What can were you, you going to say? I was going to can you pinpoint his, the, the, his tendencies that bother you? I don't know. I don't I don't pick up on any kind of story shape or any of that. It just feels like a bunch of connected or a, a bunch of disjointed events. And the book, you know, the book has like a physical beginning, middle and end, but it doesn't it just doesn't follow. The, I don't know the way I want a story to be shaped this. Everything I ever read, I feel like I'm always catching up. And it doesn't make sense, and the, the the characters and their motivations don't ever feel really all that defined to me. It just, I always feel lost in his stories. I'm always feel uh, feeling catch, uh, feeling like I need to catch up. Do you think? And I, do I think what? Do you think it's? I think it's a thing that we talked about a lot with uh, Marvel and DC, primarily mm-hmm. Marvel lately, is their numbering. Mm-hmm. and relaunches and stuff like that. And that's a thing that uh, Mignola books have done for a long time now is every story arc, they re- they basically just have a new book and it's just called the title and then a different subtitle. You know, it's, mm-hmm. this is the devil you know. And there's one before that and one before that and one before. I mean, this is like issue 140 something, I think, in actual, you know, if you're going chronologically from the beginning. Do you think yeah. it's fair to renumber this a number one when is it has so much stuff before heavily it. rooted in continuity in brpd yeah. um no but that was kind of what i was gonna drive at i mean i i think you can number it and call it whatever in the shit you want like i don't i think that doesn't matter as much but i do think i am not willing to do that work to get into this book and I have never read a Mike Mignola book that got me so interested that made me think, hey, I need to go back and start reading Hellboy from from issue one because this is a really intriguing story or this is a really intriguing character or even I have any fucking clue what's going on at all other than like some kind of broad strokes of like, oh, that guy's fighting a monster or these guys are doing whatever. I just... I never come away thinking of anything, but like these are just a bunch of weird events. 
I, I, I'm never thinking like that's a great character or that was a great moment or that was a great scene. It, it, it never, it has zero impact on me almost every time. Not, I mean, I don't know. People know if they like the Hellboy universe or not. I kind of feel like the Hellboy universe is like, it, 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 it is the comic books what Twitter is to social media that no one knew was joining Twitter and it's had a huge impact on the world. But I don't know. If you're not in it already, you're probably not getting in it. I often debate if I should just go back and just read all the Hellboy and read all the BPRD and my votes no. <laughs> well, not even I, I I'm between where you are and I think I'm mm-hmm. like, the diehard. Like I have never I've always found it like I always feel oh, like I, I, I feel like I'm yeah. peeking through a window whenever I read yes. a Mignola book and I go, oh, that looks interesting. That's weird and strange, and he's managed to create a continuity. Aside mm-hmm. from Marvel and DC, I think that's in, in, and it's a horror series theoretically. Mm-hmm. Like that's a thing that you know it's an incredible novelty. And then I go, I think about it for a second, and then I go, Meh, and I walk away. Yeah, and I go, and maybe I will eventually. And I think I like this book more than you do. Uh, I think it's, I like it. I don't. What 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 do you what do you like about it? I'm dying to know this. It feels. Uh, I don't. It. I. I don't know. There is a lot of mystery in it. And I don't know how much of that is just because I'm not familiar with the continuity and some of the mysteries I'm like, man, but some of them I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and also like the state of the world seems different. The last time I checked in, like it, you know, I am definitely not kept up with the status quo of the Mignola verse, uh, at least the present day Mignola verse. I, I like the world seems to there's like, seems to be like a, disaster stuff happening like i don't know if the world's like ending or something like they're fighting on city streets in north carolina or something and there's just like monsters everywhere like mm-hmm. i'm that that is interesting to me i you know there's it seems like they're suffering through like attrition and deaths on the team and like that is more compelling to me than oh, some of it which i've read is very much it felt more like here's team dynamics and they, as they fight a monster and then they reset and do it again and i don't know watching a, something fall fall apart and then people try and salvage it or save it can be an interesting arc i don't really know much of any of these characters aside from what's presented in this book though and it's not a bunch yeah i like how it looks i like how it looks too i feel like the story is never going to draw you back in a Hellboy book. I mean, maybe you'll be like, well, that's an interesting character design, or that's a nice piece of art, or that was a good joke, maybe. Um, I think he can present an interesting idea, um, but I, I just I don't really think Mignola is a great writer. And I, I, I feel like I've given, I've read three, Two or three trades on my own long ago. Didn't enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we read Hellboy in Hell for the podcast. Mm-hmm. We've read this. We've read um, whatever the book was about the the Golem guy. I uh, I think I just I, I I just don't enjoy it. It's thoroughly not for me. Yeah, bless you if you like it. It it it, it ain't for this guy. You do not buy on this one? No, I'm just going to 
I, I think yeah, you should buy three copies. Sometimes you say things, and then maybe you you are have a. You, <laughs> just asking, man. I gotta get an official answer. I think Mike. I think what I said was pretty definitive. Do you want me to make Mike Mignola cry? Is that what you want? I don't think he's listening to this podcast. Well, not certainly not as we're recording it, but I mean, I don't think he's ever going to listen to that. How, how about that? <laughs> you never know. He certainly can. Yeah, I'm. I'm certainly he owns something that can listen to podcasts. <laughs> if he doesn't, he he's spending his money in a weird way. I I think I, I think almost everyone, ha, you know, with the means has has some kind of iPhone or something. Yes, at this point, or a computer with an internet connection. Mm. Less uh, and less so these days. I I'm I think I'm a buy maybe mush of two. I find that stunning. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, what, what, what is interesting about this book? Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to defend it, but I am really curious. I want to see what happens because next. I, that is the most generic answer. What, what, <laughs> what piqued your interest in this? I don't know. It's a lot of weird stuff. That's all of his books. I know. That's all all of them are. Is like, <laughs> here's some weird shit. Here's a guy with a bolt in his crotch. Here's a, <laughs> it's fucking stupid. And sometimes okay. I'm in the mood for weird stuff, and I go, oh, maybe I'm, you know, you got me, you caught me in another day. Maybe I go, eh, I don't really feel like reading just random weird stuff. But I really feel like if you want weird, there are people that can deliver better weird than this. I don't care about this book i'm not going to convince you to i mean go your own way as 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 the song says um do do what do what grabs you my my brother do whatever do whatever you want it's a split decision on bprd the devil you know number one next up is Iceman number three uh written by cena grace artist alessandro vidi colors rochelle rosenberg letters joe sabino check in on Iceman. I don't dislike this comic. The only thing I don't like is how his dad looks like Steve Bannon. <laughs> a little bit. Like, it it really bothers me. This weird scrotum face dude, and he's just there to be like, oh, brother, it's mutants. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, it's, it's such a, such a, a, an obvious and icky stand in for, I don't know, it always has been any kind of, any kind of civil rights, and it's fine. Um, but I mean, I, I still enjoy it on that level. Um, it's actually pretty fun to see Iceman, just to, to see him being so incredibly cool. What is it? What's the I, line? I, I see says, what, I see what you did there. Shut up. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, what is it? What is he said? He can freeze the capillaries in your brain. Like, I thought that was cooler than shit. Um, and I, I, I mean, despite that it's very tropey, you know, the, the whole like conflict he's having with his parents, like I still think it's an interesting and relevant story. And I, I, I enjoyed where they went with this. I'm not going to say it's like a perfect story, but it's, I, I definitely found it interesting and it, 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 it's saying something, you know, I think it's good. And I think really any book that, has Kevin Wada on the covers is um, probably worth your money. I agree. 
a long time to agree with me. I, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, the change in, in, in like reading Iceman in 2017, like as a saying, OMG. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm not saying it's out of character for a, a man, like of, for Iceman, mm-hmm. if he was, you know, time scaled up to 2017, if that wasn't appropriate, but it's still. Yeah. I mean, is he supposed to be like in his thirties? Is he supposed to be in his twenties? What is he? I don't. I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not going to deny. I don't know how old. I, any, I, I, you, I have. We, and, I have definitely ironically said OMG to people. I, I, I so I, I don't, say I say BT dubs all the fucking time. I, I, I don't know how old any of the X Men are. I guess that is what you're supposed to feel. <laughs> he was always the youngest X Men, though. He at was least of the original. The original. Five, yeah. The original gang. So I don't, I, I don't, I, I, I'm a buy. I'm like a buy. I'm, I think I'm a mushy buy. I'm like a one. I think I'm a one as well. Um, but it's probably worth your money. And I think that any of the wrinkles in this will probably see themselves out eventually. I, I have, I have faith this will be good in the long term. So, double by Iceman number three, Mushmeter of one. Next up is John Carpenter's Tales of Science Fiction number one. Uh, I can't imagine why you picked this. It was kind of a tricky week. There's not not a lot of a lot of things like, hey, this is issue three of a six issue arc. Hmm, probably not no, best I, to jump in there. No, I get that. I I I'm saying that. Oh, it's a space uh, actually, a hard space hard well, no, story just, with John Carpenter. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I don't know how much of a fan in general you are of John Carpenter, but I know that uh, at least I would bet money that your favorite movie, I believe I've heard you say it's your favorite movie, is John Carpenter's The Thing. You're correct. I've, I'm on the record. Yeah. yeah. I, I like John Carpenter in general. I think I, The Thing okay. is my that's favorite the thing movie. I didn't, that's the thing I didn't know. Some of his, I think some of his stuff is... I don't like as much as other stuff, but he's done a lot, and I think he's a really interesting uh, creative guy. I have no idea how much of this comic book he had to do with it. His name's on it. Let's see. Series created by John Carpenter and Sandy King. Vault created and written by James Nines. Pencils and inks by Andres Esparza. Colors, Sergio Martinez. Letters, Janice Chung. Chiang? Chiang? Edited by Sandy King. This is a three-issue little story. Uh alien-esque story mm-hmm. i kept thinking that it was in the fucking alien universe the whole time like my brain's telling me that and i, I had to keep coming back and saying no this is just its own thing it is its own thing what do you think i like it actually um it is kind of you know generic ripoff of alien universe um but i really like the alien universe and this is a lot like that and done fairly well so i mean i see no reason that this couldn't be good um i mean it's a lot of what you would expect and that it's suspense and gore porn uh not that i'm so wild about gore porn but that's you know i i wasn't too surprised by it uh i like the way that it looks i think the color is a little I don't even know how to describe it. It, it. It's like it's trying to use neutral color to be more sophisticated, and 
I just don't care for that look. Um, but I, I would, I would call it above average and I think it's worth checking out. I, I kind of like the idea of, um, like little weird, um, short stories in these worlds. That, that, that looks like that's what it's going to be. The, the main title is, what was it? John Carpenter's Tales of Science Fiction. And this is the vault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like that we're going to get three issues of this. It's going to get in and get out and then we're getting something else. So I think this could be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it I wish it did a little bit more to d- differentiate itself mm-hmm. from It is it is surprisingly generic. From Alien and Dead Space and mm-hmm. Event Horizon and other, you know, spooky monster stories in space basically. Yeah. Uh, I think there's the I'm interested in there's like a, a lot of little details in there that I think I really like and I think that are ultimately more interesting to me than, oh, look, there's a monster and it's killing people. Uh, mostly about, and I think I wish, I wish there, the, they had, uh, laid the hook more on the mystery of this station more than, oh no, people are dying. Um, cause I, I, I don't find the people are dying thing as interesting because I've seen that a billion times, but you have it, uh, a weird, an alien spaceship that has Emily Dickinson quotes in it. I go, that's really weird and strange. I want to know why, uh, what's going on in this thing. Uh, I, I like the art. I like, I, I like the, the characters well enough. You don't really get them, mm-hmm. uh, get much of them. I think as their, as their numbers widow, we will probably get a little bit more focus on the few remaining. Uh, I, I like it though. I, and I agree with you. I yeah. think that there's room for this kind of story. Uh, I finite three issues already, you know, mini, a little mini series, you know exactly what it is that's going on. Uh, it's executed well enough. I think I'm just a buy. Yeah. So John Carpenter's tales of science fiction. Number one, the vault. Number one, double buy. Last book of the week is blue beetle. Number 11, written by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis, art Scott Collins, colors Josh Reed. No, no, colors Rami Lafarto Jr., letters Josh Reed. Excuse me. What is going on, Eric? Um, apparently, uh, they gave the Blue Beetle suit to Archie <laughs> from Archie Comics. And this isn't set in 2017, but in 2003. I don't like this book. I I don't either. It's kind of bad. I I just read the solicitation for this, and I remember us reading a Blue Beetle number one a while back, and we're like, I, re- it, I remember it. It had potential. We're like, it could do if it did certain things. We it could be good, and we're like, well, it's been a while. It's this. They said this is the everything's wrapping up. They're going to start a new thing in this one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a lie because this is mostly. There's no new thing in this, really. There's very yeah. little new thing. It's mostly... I, I object to the solicitation. Uh, th- mm-hmm. This is mostly... Look at... Is it a, bull- the, is it a bullshit solicitation? Uh, yeah, but I mean... Most of them are, but this is really bad. And look at the uh, the dozen background characters that have been in this comic up till now. We're going to check in with every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't... I there I, I get I mean it's important that I'm bored. <laughs> there's there's like one thing in this book that is interesting to me and that is, you know, this weird ghost fire dude and 
them having like his weird visions of this guy. Like I'm like, okay, well that's a new thing. That'd be cool to see that. But instead, it's a lot, a lot of dialogue about nothing. Yeah. And just, I guess if I'm, I've been reading this comic, maybe I would care more about these characters. But I didn't write the solicitation that told me this is a, a this the last arc just ended and you could start here. And there's a in the cover with about Ghostfire and nothing really. There's not much happens with Ghostfire. Blue Beetle is not burned by Ghostfire in this issue, except that he gets mm-hmm. detention. That's how he's burned by Ghostfire. He gets detention. His name really is Ghostfire. Mm-hmm. It's fucking stupid. I, I don't, you know, I, it may, I'm, hey, maybe, I'm not throwing this out, maybe if we'd read all of Blue Beetle, we'd, this issue would be more palatable, but don't start here. Don't buy, you cannot just buy, jump in on this comic. This is, it's like run into a brick wall of dialogue boxes, speech bubbles. It's hitting you in the face over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. D- no, d- thank you. This d- book. Yeah. Double do not buy blue beetle number 11. That'll do it. Poor weekly floppies this week. Till next week. Hell till tomorrow. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show. Eric and I talk about what we've been up to during the week. Talk about fun, nerdy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, except when it's not fun, then we complain about nerdy stuff. That's also true. It's sometimes there's some some rants. Sometimes rants yeah. happen. I think one. I think one might be might be bubbling up over here. Uh oh. About what? Um. So this way, this weekend was Tampa Bay Comic Con. It is the uh, the second time I've tabled as an artist uh, this year. I'm toying with the idea of doing another one just for the sake of experimentation. I think I already see why people are so salty about this stuff, and I kind of want to, I kind of want to just jabber about it and get your thoughts on it. Okay. So, my experience this time, and it was a lot of other people's experience, uh, because this weekend, um, do, do the same time, two cons that you're familiar with were happening. I'm not sure if you knew that. Florida SuperCon and Tampa Bay Comic Con happened this weekend. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. Okay. Um, there were some guest cancellations. There were some incidents. Um, the traffic was actually down for both shows. And a lot of people's experience that I talked to said that their sales were down. They said they've been down all year. But the thing that was not down is table prices keep going up. Ticket prices keep going up. Um, and it's a frustrating thing that it seems like none of these cons really want to build an ecosystem around artists. They don't seem to want to. They just want to get a lot of media guests and pack a lot of bodies into these things. And it's everyone wants to be San Diego Comic-Con. And no one really is all that interested in being their own version of their own thing. It seems like the only con 
the only con is Heroes that seems to be interested in doing that. And I really wonder, you know, how long is this going to be sustainable that, like, you know, most artists have to make a lot of sales in order to make back a $300 table. I was also doing the math with one of my friends that I work with. She also does these events. And I said to her, you know, if you were going to net $3,000 in profit uh, per event, which is an outrageously good sum, like pretty much anyone but the best of the best, you know, unless they're like a famous artist, you know, like they're not going to expect to net three thousand dollars a profit like you let's say so you're going to net three thousand dollars a profit per show and you're going to do 10 shows in a year which is a really that's a that's a busy ass schedule like that's how much you're get, like that's a thirty thousand dollar salary which is not an amazing standard of living it's not you're not making a lot of money at thirty thousand dollars so like i don't know I really wonder, like, how much are they going to stack this deck against people before this this bubble really bursts, before we have almost no cons, you know? Like, they just are doing them every weekend. Everything's competing against everything. They're getting these, driving up these ticket prices. Like, when are people going to get sick of it? Because they're already bringing in loads and loads of people that are not interested in spending money. It's just choked with people mm-hmm. that like just want to come in and like I'm like there was that 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 comic artist, I forget the guy. Wasn't it wasn't he a doorman? Wasn't that the guy that complained about Dave Dorman, the cosplayers? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um he complained about that and now I completely agree with what he says that this the, the floor is full of people that the only thing they care about is coming in and getting pictures taken of them or they other people come in to look at the costumes you know they're 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 not coming in to spend money or even have interactions with other people you know other than oh I like your costume bye you know and like these things exist as a market for I mean, obviously, I have a huge stake in in being an artist, but I mean, even like, I mean, I, I, the the creatives and the pros, like that's the the same thing essentially. I, to an extent, you can say, like when we met, like those old wrestlers at SuperCon, like I don't think that's bad. I just, I don't know. The trend is not good. All the tables are going up. Um, and it's becoming less and less and less accessible. And the crowds are becoming less and less interested in any kind of uniqueness, any kind of any kind of art. It's just and th- and this was really my first experience at a very fandom driven con. And I'm seeing I don't fit in terribly well with that. It. I mean, I think there's a lot of things all happening at the same time that are of course. all res- like everything you said is pretty true. I mean, I don't think there's any, I don't think most people would have, one. Yeah. Tam- having SuperCon and Tampa Bay comic con the same weekend is not ideal. That mm-hmm. is it's, it's not like they're really close together, but they're close enough that 
people are going to have to choose one or the other if they're in Florida. And yeah, I, I did speak to one uh, one group of dudes. It was like one dude and his bro, and they had they hit up the other one. They 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 went to both. Okay, but a lot of people said that they were both kind of dead and indefinitely. <sighs> Definitely, people in in um, in South Florida were saying it was bad. Sales were poor. I mean, this is I don't know, pretty late for uh, SuperCon because they usually go over July, yeah. near July fourth. Um, but I, I think the you're I mean, there's there are more and more Comic Cons. Mm-hmm. There's I mean, there's more every year, obviously, more, more every year, and depending on where you live. You might not see that, but if you live in uh, Florida or California or uh, you know heavily populated area areas near big cities, you're gonna have you could like Tampa is gonna have both Tampa Bay Comic Con and MegaCon Tampa in one year, and those are two both gigantic cons. And then you have MegaCon in Orlando, and and then SuperCon in Miami, and then there's also a you know. Cons that aren't necessarily comic cons, but ones that also attract other you know, nerdy anime cons and collector con- like there's cons in the periphery that a- appeal to similar audiences, mm-hmm. not the same necessarily. Uh, and it's a lot of them are being bought up by bigger companies, like that's what happened to MegaCon. Yep, and that's why there's now a MegaCon in Tampa as well as Orlando because they are trying to profit off that name. Uh, I think a more and more there these big cons are realizing that they want people to come they get big names big yep. act, big actors famous movie or television stars have them show up or do a panel or whatever and suddenly people will be willing to pay 40 or 50 dollars to get in the door but those people are coming to see those they're they're coming to just see those people they're not coming to buy you know if yeah. if they do walk through artist alley which they may not do uh if they do they might buy one thing, if that. They're going to buy the from the giant ugly print wall guy. Yeah, that's selling awful fucking like just soulless drawings of the Joker and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And you know those people, you know, bless them, but they're profiting off of the death of something that I love. And you I, know? I, I think that. There is, I think there is a finite amount of, there's a finite amount of money people will spend on this type of stuff in a given year. Mm-hmm. Like, I know if I go to a con, I, two, like, I can spend heavy maybe in two cons a year. As a consumer, I'll go like, okay. And it's usually in, in where, where I'm at, Edmonton, they're Edmonton and Calgary cons are like basically six months apart from each other. So, and they probably did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. They know the people living in Alberta are going to go to both, and they can make if they separate them out, people will spend more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a finite amount of money that an average person is going to spend at a con, or even a hardcore comic or whatever fan for whatever reason, whatever is bringing them to the con. They still have a finite amount of, of money they're going to spend on this stuff there, and there is a limit. And as you, like, there was a lot of pushback on MegaCon Orlando pri- uh, ticket prices. I remember mm-hmm. seeing the when they first announced the prices, everyone's like, "This is crazy," and I think they backed off. Yeah, but uh, eventually, and like you said, they try and make. I'm sure all those stars cost a lot of money. Yeah, a- and they raise table prices, they raise ticket prices, they raise 
the the cost to, to they distribute that cost to all of us and mm-hmm. absolutely they do eventually they're you know if you, you told me that there's a con next weekend let's say and there 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 literally is a con in Tampa next weekend <laughs> just just there not, literally well, is there's not one in Edmonton though uh, if you tell me, like, locally to any, like, hey, there's a con next weekend, but there's no artist alley, or there's a very small artist alley, and we don't really have many comic book creators, I'm not going to go to it. And that, I think, opens up a space for, I think this is, eventually the, that bubble will burst, and eventually some cons will stop operating because they're not, they're not going to work. They're not going to make money, because yeah. the people have, like... Uh, the Mile High Comics made a big thing about how they're not doing San Diego anymore, and that this is their last year, uh-huh. and they're because of, the booth costs are extraordinarily high, and of they course. and they also the, the they said the real reason is they had no one they had problems and no one helped uh-huh. because they were they didn't have the manpower for a regular comic just people selling comic books they had, you know they had more people probably i assume shepherding famous people around or doing security and they didn't have people around to just help out uh, one of the people who were tabling because and they couldn't get their because they couldn't get their stuff into the con and mm-hmm. so they're like oh it doesn't and they are not doing it anymore and i think that's what you're going to see is more and more artists go oh this is too, yeah. much, too much money not worth it I'll sell my stuff online. It doesn't cost anything to, or minuscule amounts of money to post on mm-hmm. an Etsy or a wherever. Well, I think that it's just gonna, they're gonna keep moving downward. You know, I mean, I'm seeing that what's probably gonna, I, 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 people are gonna look for other events just like it that are more focused, that yeah. have the better audience. And I, a lot of, a lot of the great artists I know that I've met at cons aren't doing comic cons anymore. You know, a lot of them just do cons just to see, uh, their friends, mm-hmm. you know, it's a social thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly, that's what yours has become. Network. 100% has. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but a lot of them are moving on to anime cons. I, I am strongly considering doing a tattoo convention and you know how many tattoos I have. Oh, you're covered. Yeah. Head to toe. I have like 35 on my neck. Uh, just, I mean, but no, like several heavily tattooed people and tattoo artists at this show, um, they recommended, they, I mean, they, they loved my stuff for one thing. They were really energized about it. And I mean, I think they, they get it, you know, I think there's a good Venn diagram of that, but I think that it's, gonna it's gonna change and maybe in a couple of years it'll swing back maybe it won't just be a violent bubble bursting and a and and tons and tons of cons going under and if there is maybe that's also a good thing maybe we don't need every single little con you know i mean i think honestly it's the big cons that will disappear before anything else it's the small cons also it's possible the small cons like the the very small cons ones that are like run by people who are probably local to that area and mm-hmm. probably operate at minimal cost i would imagine they know that the limits of what they can do and they go oh well here's what we can do we'll keep our costs low 
and will appeal mm-hmm. to a very select niche of people and will appeal to locals. We'll have local artists. We might get one or two big names uh, if we can, but if not, it's, you know, our appeal is always local first. And I think into people who really like comic art or people who really want, you know, or just want to cosplay or just want a very select niche thing. Mm-hmm. There's room for that. And I think you can still successfully do like, Hey, a one day con that is only for zines or a one day little con that is just for local artists. And people do that all the mm-hmm. time. There's one in here in Edmonton for speculative. It's called, uh, is about speculative fiction, which it has, you know, it's, science fiction fantasy fandom and it's but it's a small small local spot not a lot of it you know obviously they don't have huge costs of bringing in stars from the walking dead or stuff like that they just appeal to the the local people they know will come and they can kind of expect to always continue because of that uh i don't think that the big i don't think that most of these companies that are running these big cons, you know, four day cons that are $300 tickets and $200 VIP tickets to go meet Stan Lee or to have a picture with William Shatner or whatever. I don't think that they're thinking about that. I don't think they're worrying about the future too much. I think they worry Mm -hmm. about the next year and that is it. But this trend cannot continue and have, they're going to have like, I don't know. I don't know how much the art economy can sustain itself by, you know, theoretically, you can only do so many cons and lose money before you go. I'm not like, yeah. um, unless you have make a very good living doing something else and just do it because you like doing it and don't care that you lose money. You well, can't do it forever. Here's the secret. There's almost no one in comics that doesn't have a second fucking job. Mm, yes. That's what's fucking terrifying. And really with any other kind of art as well. Like, I am actually very lucky that I have a very good art job that I make a good living at, and I can do this as a hobby. I mean, all the ones that take it very seriously, I mean, if they're... I don't know, man. I I saw, like, I swear to God, like... Um, Fabian Ringel and uh, uh, Alexis Zirat like posted pictures of their day job and it fucking made me so sad. It's just, Oh God, it's brutal. Anyway, I was going to talk about like this in terms of like the whole art economy, like art is such a frivolity to people. And one of the reasons that it's slow, I mean, apart from it being like all the whole economy slows down after an election, a presidential election. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, like, I mean, people are just hurting, you know, the wage growth just isn't there. So obviously you have less disposable income. Of course, art sales are going to be slow. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's ugly all around. There's a lot of things that upset me about it, but specifically the squeeze that's being put on people, it can't possibly last forever. And there will probably be some years where, uh, I don't know, there's practically no artist alley because it's, it's, it seems impossible. It just, it just can't continue to scale. You know, there certainly are very good people that are going to make pretty good sales, 
you know, every year. Mm-hmm. And if they're, they're just going to continually weed out. They're going to continually weed out people. The tables are going to continually go up. And then you're going to have only people that can afford a $500 artist alley table or a $600 artist alley table. You're only going to have those, and that's going to eat into more and more of their profit. And then they're all competing with each other. And then the some of them get starved out. You know, it, I don't know. It It is not really a um, – it's not a great trend. I just think that – I don't know. It's it's very important to me. It, it it seems weird to think of like nerd culture, you know, because it just seems like culture and nerds are just gross now. <laughs> um, yes, you know what I mean. No, I completely um, understand. Yeah, um, nerds are but, awful. Like, yeah, no, for real. Uh, those all those all those uh, movies from the eighties where the jocks were the bad guys. Yeah, that 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 was a meme from either late last year or early this year to where they said that it's like kind of become the opposite thing. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm going to think about that every time I go to the gym. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the true answer is everyone's bad. And... No, let's, I, yes, no, everyone's pretty monstery. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it still is a thing that is, I mean, having a good art market and having like i i want the culture to be good and grow and be inclusive and i i just want good things for it and this is a thing that i've been doing literally since i knew it existed you know i've been going to to like heroes con and stuff ever since i was a kid i want this that like this is one of my favorite things in the world mm-hmm. and I don't I, I, I don't know. I don't like that it feels like it's in a precarious place. I mean, I think it's we're in a culture of steam, Eric. Mm. That is what Beardy Man told me. And I think a lot of in a lot of things, a lot of cultures are rapidly shifting and changing and in responding to the internet uh the economy to generational differences Mm. and i don't think we're gonna really know any like what any of this like in 10 years maybe i think things may have sorted themselves out a little bit will be at least stable but who knows maybe it won't maybe it'll just be like this forever and it will always be shifting and moving and changing it's possible i mean it's easy to look back and think you know i too i went to megacon when i was like six years old, seven years old with my dad and went to all of them with my dad up through college. And I, I, it's easy to like think now, Oh, well everything's changing. And you know, you get those guys, guys like Dave Dorman who have been, have been going to cons have been professional artists for decades and have been doing cons for the entire time. And they suddenly put out this, Hey, this is stuff that it's changing and it's bad, but are there like cons, haven't looked like this ever until like five years ago. Like yeah. when San Diego well, first right. started doing, Hey, let's have a bunch of movie stars here. And now most, a lot of the cons are copying San Diego. And mm-hmm. I think there's room for the heroes con. There's room for those kinds of cons where they carve out a specific identity 
and I think the they will stand out more when they specifically. I think some why some of these cons will fail is because they don't have a specific identity. Is because they just are doing blah shotgun, and mm. unless you're very careful with that, it's not. It's you're it, and they continue if they continue to raise prices and do all the same things. It's eventually. I think it's going to cost them in the end, but we'll. I, I don't know. Time will tell. I mean, I think the art, I mean, like qu- quality and variety of art has never been better. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And I think, regardless if cons are there, I think there will be always be a things will people will create things that highlight art first and foremost. If those. Like if table prices continue to rise, things will spring up to replace them because artists like you and people and consumers like me will demand it and stop going to those cons for those reasons and someone will fill that demand. That's a pretty capitalistic way to look at it, but I think that's what's going to happen. It's like um, Steam. There's used to be only Steam on PC to get your video games, and now there's like a bunch of different ones and like Itch sprung up as a competitor and they give they give the people who make game developers a better percentage of the of their sales and they be able to list games with lower requirements and let you display games that aren't you know that are different uh have different topics and less censorship um and i think it's the same thing's going to happen with this i think i feel like something will rise up and you see that i mean there's always local i think pushes for all this stuff but i think if there's, I don't know. I think I feel like you. There's a lot of local spaces that could meet. Hey, this is just about art, and it's important. And I, I really hope, I really hope that happens. So, how's Rick and Morty season three? I was on the the second episode is the only one that's out. Right. How was it? Good. On the positive side, I did buy it on on uh, the YouTube, and I liked it. And you should watch it. Have you watched any of the other ones? Uh, I've watched season one, and Matt and I are currently going through it on the Simpsons Show Patreon. That's weird that you're doing that. People, but, you there's know, good for you. We got, no, I'm sure we got people asking. I'm for glad it. you should have you should include me in on that. I would have jumped on that in a heartbeat. Our scheduling is not always very easy. I don't doubt that. It's uh, it's got to be hard to work in all that stuff. Hey, hey, Eric. Hey, Robbie. I played some video games. Cool. Cool. Did you did you play Ghost Fire or whatever? Ghost Fire. I'm joking. I I played I played Pyre. It was a joke. Okay, I played Pyre. Uh, it's a from Supergiant. People who made Bastion and Transistor. Do you play those games? Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't. Surprised you haven't played Bastion. I have played Bastion. I misheard you. The you, kids never played Bastion. <laughs> yeah, that narrator. Uh, it's the same same company. Uh, this is another Bastion and Transistor are both beautiful games with really amazing art and music and direction, and they're very different from each other. And this is another game that is also very different from those two games. They're really getting a lot of a lot of content out. Given I, like how complete and all the art and development that has to go into those games, it has only been like maybe two years since Transistor came out, right? 
Uh, maybe two, three, somewhere in there. It hasn't been super long. I know that. I never, I bounced off Transistor. I, I, I think it's a gorgeous game and the soundtrack is one of the best video game soundtracks I've ever heard, but I just couldn't get into the gameplay part of it. Um, Pyre also has beautiful art, amazing sound and music. Uh, but I, I like, uh, the game. It, it is like a cross between a weird, it's like fantasy sports in like, the literal sense of you're like playing magic handball or something magic mm-hmm. basketball it's like three on three weird wizard sports that's like the main gameplay stuff and then everything surrounding it is kind of like uh why can't i think of the name of that game <laughs> that you have you have played it uh you know the game where you're a viking and you're traveling and the world is ending banner saga banner okay. saga it is like, I actually have not played it. You haven't played Banner Saga? I, I, I do own it. I thought you had played Banner Saga. I own lots of games I've never played. Okay. Uh, but it's like uh, a lot of it is like Banner Saga in that you are traveling around with your team in this weird wasteland area and you're making decisions. You're talking to your teammates. You're you know choosing paths and upgrading your team as they play wizard basketball. Um, <laughs> you're getting new teammates. Uh you can the game does not end if you lose a game if you lose a game of wizard basketball the game continues and it, i guess it adjusts the story if you win or lose um the the wizard basketball game is really fun it's really good uh, it's really diverse kind of gameplay and it's plays like the best sports games in that it feels after like a second you're like oh okay i know what i'm doing and it's suddenly really interesting the variety of strategy you can employ you know, it's, you know, you have a goal you're defending and they have a goal you're trying to get this orb to, this magic orb, and you're trying to uh, get them down to zero points. You're trying to defeat them. And it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fantasy races. It, the world building is really good, just like in Bastion and Transistor. Uh, there's a lot of detail, obviously a lot of thought put into the lore and stuff, which you don't have to interact with if you don't want to, but it's all right there for you. Uh, the characters are really well written and really interesting. Uh, it's a good game. I am anxious to keep playing. Um, the reason I haven't finished it is because I've also been playing Fortnite with my wife. Uh, Fortnite is a game that has been been in uh, been in development for a long time, and just came into. They're calling it early access. Uh, it's apparently going to be a free to play game next year. So it's a very long early access area that you uh, early access period which you can pay to play now. Uh, the game is. Uh, split between two kind of things where you are, uh, 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 like put into an area, like either a city or a forest or, uh, an industrial area. And it's like Minecraft almost where you're beating up trees and bricks and you're collecting resources and building stuff. Um, and then the second part is tower defense, uh, from zombies and other creatures as they attack whatever you're defending and you're building defenses of, from the resources you collect. There is a million systems in that game, which I'm not going to try to explain. Because uh, you, you have a core hero, and then you have survivors and defenders and a squad. And dear God, it goes on and on and on. There's a lot of depth there that I find interesting. I think it could bounce. A lot of people probably would bounce off of it if you're in. A, if you if you have a a game where you don't like like constantly going through many menus and like optimizing your team and your items and all that stuff and leveling many, many things. You're not going to like this game. 
Uh, it is a lot of fun to play uh, with friends. I'm having a good time playing with my wife. Um, the art design is really good. Uh, I think they're still rough around the edges because they're still developing, working on it. But I think the core stuff is really fun. It's a really fun game. A lot of systems. You should play Pyre. You'd like it, probably. You should play Pyre. Hmm. Yeah, you should. You'd like it. Also, Tacoma came out today, and I really want to play Tacoma, too. But that might have to wait a bit. Tacoma is from the people who made Gone Home. I'm really curious to see the next thing they do. Mm-hmm. But also, still watching G1, and it's the... I feel like I'm just... Every time I talk about it, I'm just like, hey, it's still amazing! It's still amazing. Today's matches were probably the, the best day so far. Just staggering the matches, the quality of it. It's just crazy. So good. You should watch the New Japan Pro Wrestling, Eric. I do, uh, I do like, I do like wrestling. It's really good. I need to start, I need to start watching it so I can draw more fucking wrestlers. There you go. You can draw some Minoru Suzuki or Juice Robinson. I got to draw that guy with a big fucking sword. Oh, Kazushika Akata? Yeah, the guy that I was. He doesn't carry a sword normally, but he still is very, he's an amazing. He carried it in that entrance. He did, he did do that. He's an amazing wrestler. He's undefeated so far in the G1. Spoilers. I don't think anyone listening cares. Mm, I mean... It's already happened. I can't... I, I would, but, like, I don't know. How much does that really matter? Uh, the matches generally are so good. I've been spoiled a couple times already. I don't really care. Because the matches yeah, are amazing. And the storytelling that's, is... That's what I'm saying, yeah. How much does it really matter? But I... It's, they're over halfway done. I'm really excited to see what happens as the... You know, results, I mean, it's shaping up who's going to be in the finals or of each block. And then I'm really curious to see, because, you know, it's the direction of the entire company for like the next six months and further mm-hmm. on. And it actually means something. I don't have to th- worry that they're just going to drop it at the, you know, s- as soon as they have some whim, they will follow through on all these things. And that's exciting. We should probably move on, Eric. Yeah, we've been talking a long damn time. We have. Let's talk about uh, some Miracle Man. How about that? If we must. We must. We have to. We've entered into a contract. I, I don't think that's true, but at this point, it would be dumb for us not to. Mm-hmm. I, w- I woke up at four to finish reading this book. We will touch on the length. Uh, it is time for our final segment. It's time for Nearby Book Club. Nearby Book Club is the part show. Eric and I assign a longer collected work, discuss it in depth like you would a book club this week. We are discussing Miracle Man, volumes one through three, uh, by Alan Moore, uh, and, and five different artists, I believe. Gary Leach, um, Alan Davis, Chuck Austin, Rick Veach, and John Totalbin, I believe, are th- all the five main artists. You say Veach? Vetch? How do you say it? I always thought it was Vetch. I don't know. I don't know either. I've met. I've. I have met the man. Uh, that that occurred to me as I was reading this that I have met him, and I have. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think I've ever so said it. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. So I don't. I've or heard it said out loud. So I have no idea how to say his last name. In my head, I say Vetch, but I. Uh, there's a correct way, and who knows? I don't know it. And this this is the entirety of the Alan Moore written. The original artist, as he's credited in this, but it is Alan Moore who wrote all this. Uh, the, the saga, because 
of Miracle Man, of who owns Miracle Man, is weird. Uh, this this is the Marvel. Marvel has recollected all of this stuff. They bought the mm. ownership rights from uh, Mick Anglo, who created Marvel and Man originally. Uh, he was Marvel Man. Then they changed it to Miracle Man because they didn't want any problems with Marvel originally. Uh, after a while, you know, after the Alan Moore run ended, Neil Gaiman wrote some. Then the comic that was collecting and printing all this stuff uh, went out of business. Vertigo went out. Not Vertigo. Uh, what was it? Um, um, I just had it in front of me. Eclipse. Eclipse went bankrupt. They were publishing it. So they stopped publishing, and then Todd McFarlane claimed ownership of it. Uh, Game and sued him for ownership or about or contesting ownership. Then it was discovered that Ang- Mick Anglo actually never lost ownership of Miracle Man, so Marvel bought it directly from him. Then they were going to then they re- republished this with the end goal having to finally publish all of Neil Gaiman's run, which never finished with uh, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham, and they've they have republished the golden years, but they were going to continue publishing the stuff that never, you know, the new comics, theoretically. That is not still yet to come out. But this is just the Alan Moore stuff. The stuff that has already mm-hmm. has been in, has been published once upon a time, now republished, uh, often reprinted, recolored um, for these comics, with a lot of back matter and making of material as well. Okay, Eric. You're, you were, you're, you've been making noises about I would call them uneasy noises about this comic. Do you, yeah. not, do you not like this? I fucking hate this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You. What are your feelings about it? I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's good. I think it. I think it's interesting too. Okay. But like, I think I'm. I'm pretty salty. Like it was hard to read through all this when i texted you and said can we get through this tuesday i had no idea it was going to be quite as dense and long as it is and say so fucking little (laughs) this is the wankiest of wanky alan moore shit that i've ever read have you read his porn comics no i'm not going to okay I I I I don't know if I I wouldn't call them I I wouldn't say I read them I looked at them and went mm, okay no thank you <laughs> I'm good and I was but I you know I flipped through it and I read that's don't you don't need to no one needs to read his his fairy tale porn comics they're not they're not good um I, I mean there's a person that that likes them oh I'm Gar- oh yes uh, I his name is Alan Moore. Mm. I had a girlfriend that was over the moon for um, uh, what's it called? Lost Girls. Mm-hmm. She talked about it a lot, and it was very important to her. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Either. I don't think. I don't think this book has an audience other than wanky douchebags. <laughs> so Joe Joe Casada. Yeah. He's the reason, I think, I mean, frankly, I think the reason Marvel bought this and reprinted it is because Joe Uh Quesada loved Miracle Man. Well, I was talking to my friend Keisha, who was a huge comics fan, and we were talking, like, I was telling her how much I was dreading reading this. I didn't like it when we read the first one, you know? I didn't enjoy it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I didn't enjoy the voice or you know, I just thought it was poor. Um, and uh, she says she said something like, you know, you probably don't. I can't remember how she brought it up, but it was like the wizard like top list of comics mm-hmm. like this was on it and um, Judas contracts on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, all this stuff that isn't and I don't even know that this is aging well. It is really the argument against this. I wonder if I would have felt the same. I think that maybe this is just more impressive. This is just more impressive when it's you're reading it in an era that is more like Saturday morning cartoons. In the mid-80s, you know? yeah. This is when yeah, this, early to mid-80s. Yeah. This is... Is it pre-Watchmen or is it contemporary to Watchmen? It's right before and then basically up to Watchmen. Yeah, so I mean, I could see how this blew people's minds. I get that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I am I, not going to say that it isn't without merit. I think it looks nice, particularly a lot of these early stuff. Like, it, it reminds me of uh, a lot of European comics that I really like, but there's just god there's there's so much of it with so many problems that the highs aren't worth the lows the, 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 the so much density to say so little particularly as you go on mm-hmm. I, I i mean the, the, last, the second half the yeah. second half Oof. of book 2 and essentially all of book 3 i'm like why why guys why? Yeah, it's what not... is wrong with you? <laughs> it does it. Yeah, it, it's. It feels at at times like proto Watchmen. It 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 feels at times like it is yeah. hinting at the things that that Watchmen would cover about mm-hmm. the nature of heroes and generational differences and the, you know the 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 evolution of what both what text like textually what characters can be and also what an audience sees as heroes. It, it read a lot like a sketch for Supreme as well. Yes. Also a, a lot about Superman. Yeah. Which is what Supreme is. Yes. And the, yeah, and it has both those things mixed together and then a bunch of, I, I don't, like you said, I don't know what the third third arc of this is supposed to be saying. I didn't get anything. It felt just very much like wandering off into like headspace. Like it didn't feel like there's a direction. It just felt very much like mm-hmm. oh, there's like there's stuff in it early on that's hinted at about these alien races and everything. But then I, I didn't ever want them to dig into that. Like the moment, yeah. the moment where. Uh, Miracle Man is at that facility with, uh, Cream. Why is he named Cream? Uh, with Sapphire Teeth. Mm-hmm. Why does he have Sapphire Teeth? I really wonder if that's just all from the old comic. I, I don't know. I don't know. It could, it could very well be some dumb shit that, that, uh, Alan Moore came up with. I mean, like, yes, it's a powerful image, but who would have. Why would anyone have sa- okay? But they you you know we're you read along and they finally reveal that oh it's actually his powers from the salvaged 
pieced back together from an alien crash. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, that's all I need to know. Mm -hmm. You don't need to tell me about these aliens. You can tell me, I felt like that part with the, 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 the villain scientist going and being like amazed by the spaceship. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I don't, you don't need to dig into what these aliens are. I don't, no interest. And suddenly the third volume in its entirety is all about look at these aliens, look at this technology. Oh, now Earth's a utopia. Mm-hmm. And there's no, drama there's no conflicts really aside from the nemesis who they there's no like they easily defeat which that was a, i was waiting like we keep checking back in with that guy who was kid miracle man mm-hmm. and he's trapped in this child's head driving this child insane and then he finally gets out and he's just like, oh, we'll just, we really just wanted Miracle Man to have to kill a child. So here he is. This is saying something about hero- heroism, but is like that is, that's the message is that your superiors sometimes have to kill children to uh, make sure Utopia survives. I'm looking at the. With his pants down, by the way. Yeah. Which. We couldn't have eliminated that from the story. There's no way he could have just pulled his pants up. I'm looking at the part where uh, uh, Gorgonzola, <laughs> he, he, it's like incredibly violent, like some of the most disturbing violence I've ever seen, where he flies him into outer space, kisses him, and then throws him at the planet, and he's like, God, that, that shows that panel of his face as he's burning up in the atmosphere, and it's got his, 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 it's got his hip bone left. It was so fucking disturbing. There's a lot of very sudden gore. Yeah. In this. And it, I, I don't know. I, like, it feels like, it feels like, hey, this is like half the ideas of the Watchmen and like too much space. Yeah. To tell all this stuff in. And then, then also Supreme and also kind of just weird science fiction comic thrown smushed together and mm-hmm. it's not and, and it it hints at interesting ideas about heroism and, and like all the things that i think Watchmen does perfectly this hints at those things and doesn't ever get to anything about them i think it doesn't there's yeah. there's none of that i think the interest most interesting thing about Watchmen to me is that despite all the the structural uh value about how it's crafted and how and uh, you know the metatextual things it's saying about superheroes and comics it's also full of very interesting characters that are all inhabiting like a spectrum of gray and all of them feel real and complete i don't think any like do, do you think any of these i don't think any of these characters really ever get there for me i well they're certainly none of them are really interesting um, I do sort of find his wife pretty interesting. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, that, that she feels like, I, I, I don't know, sort of her struggle and like her, she's afraid of her baby and then she abandons the whole family because she just feels so disconnected from everyone. Like, I find that, I find her very compelling. Um, but Jesus Christ. Just stop. 
enjoying any character in this. Essentially, once she's gone, I mean, who cares about anything else after that point? It's like this whole second half is just like a whole bunch of nothing. I, I, it hit left no impact on me. I had no real feelings going through it. It's just nothing. I don't know. And it's unbelievable. I think I'd be interested in reading the game and stuff because it is, yeah. I think it, from what they, at least what it's pitched as, is kind of, it, it's re- reflecting all the stuff that already happened and kind of re- questioning and looking closer at those themes, which I think is, it's not that the, what this book is about isn't, in, is inherently disinteresting. It's that it lacks the character that grounds all those, all those issues. Mm-hmm. Like, I find all the things that Moore's writing about in this book very interesting. Uh, we both, love Watchmen because of that but Watchmen works because it also is grounded in these really compelling and interesting characters yeah and this has I don't care about Miracle Man I don't care about Kid Miracle Man I don't care about Evelyn Cream I don't care about Gargunza I don't care about like any of these people and it's just kind of empty theme it's just like, it feels like Alan Moore wanted to write about, hey, superheroes are bad. And we, in the effort of shepherding humanity to a better place, they're actually being like t- dictator, dictators and totalitarian and, and monstrous. And yeah, okay, I got it, Alan Moore, but I don't care because I don't care about Miracle Man. I don't care. Like, there's nothing because it's not grounded in the characters. It's just in the sudden, di- I don't, none of those aliens have any personality at all. No. They're nothing. They're just, hey, these guys shapeshift and these guys move fast. Okay, thanks. They all have names. They're all replace, they're all the same. They're all replaceable with each other. It is incredibly dense. Mm hmm. Which I, I guess I, I, I mean, I think Alan Moore's ability to, cra- to, to cram a bunch of story into, into a comic is like really impressive, but when it's not a great comic, it makes it worse. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're just like, oh man, you're writing a lot about these aliens and this world and dancing. A lot of dancing. I was not expecting this much dancing in this comic book. I think it mostly just happens at the end. That's true. I mean, at that point, Alan Moore was completely off the rails. Also... Was it absolutely necessary to show a baby being born graphically? I also was really surprised by that. I mean, I don't think I'm like grossed out or offended or anything, but I'm like, huh, that's sure in this book. It. I mean, I think if you're going to show that, I think you should have a reason for it. It's like the reason was just like Alan Moore trying to... I don't know, maybe not be shocking, but like it, it, it certainly felt like there was no real emotional story reason. I mean, he was talking about like in the narration, but like this is life, this is violence, this is this, this is that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess like you know, like the 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 jarring nature of seeing that in that book is supposed to kind of manipulate your feelings that way. I don't know. It really felt odd, and I did. I was really curious what he was trying to do with that. It seemed 
so strange, but there's a lot in this book that it's like, why is this here? It would, I could understand it if it felt like the one those that narration is felt what felt bad because uh, it felt empty. Yeah, and if if like the birth itself felt like a triumph of like this is look at what these two people have gone through to shepherd this baby into the world and they've done it by themselves and i think okay i understand if you're gonna do that but all it does is all it does is then lead to a cliffhanger where the baby talks immediately immediately Mm -hmm. after being born and then you're like oh yeah the baby has immediately has superpowers uh and the whole it it's so mired in the corny comic book stuff like 50s comic book stuff with the bad scientist and all that it's hard to jump back from that into like no look they're giving she's giving birth and now they have a, this baby what that was going to be like a vessel for this mad scientist guy is now their their child but actually their child is actually the, like a really like one of the creepiest things in this comic Mm-hmm. Like mind controls and, her mother and, and and goes nowhere. It yes, nothing happens. There's no arc with this baby. Yeah, none. And it is so annoying. She had to go back to her home planet. Her people needed her. I I think it's uh, funny how Margaret Thatcher's literally in this book, and Miracle Man intimidates her. Mm-hmm. And, and then essentially fi- threats her. And then feels sorry for her. Yeah. And then, why? It, yeah, it's it, it really just... I I thought it was... If I had just read, like, the parts leading up to hit the reveal of how he got his powers, and then stopped, I would ultimately think, eh, it's an interesting prototype for Watchmen and Supreme. Uh-huh. But then... The like the ne- the extra half of that after I just go oh well you kind of squandered all the things you set up and now I I don't know I I certainly wouldn't read it again no I never want to see these books again I do like some of the art and some of the character designs but by and large if I never see this book again I'd be happy yeah uh Gary Leach I I he's the most most of the early stuff mm-hmm. is Gary Leach and his yeah I really like it it's really good oh yeah absolutely um apparently he the, was that first book does have a lot of really nice looking stuff in it yeah and and Alan Davis to a certain extent but I think oh, most yeah. most of it is Gary Leach um apparently he Gary Leach was replaced with Alan Davis because Gary Leach couldn't keep up with the publishing schedule um but. After after him and Alan Davis, I don't I I think it kind of just settled into a weird like we talk about with a lot of books that have multiple changing artists. It's kind of settled into this weird thing where none of them impose too much of their own style on it because they're trying to hew close to what uh, the uh, what the other artists are doing. They're trying to stick to a style guide, and it, I don't it I don't think it ever gets to. A point where I felt distinct art styles by the latter half of it. I, I, I think those big double page uh, spreads with uh, those aliens, all the alien stuff going on in the panels and stuff. I think they look beautiful. Uh, on the story they're telling is very boring to me. 
which I think is half the problem. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if we're ever going to get more Miracle Man. Well, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed that we don't. <laughs> I mean, the Neil Gaiman Miracle Man, which I'd be... I, I don't care either way. It could be amazing. Uh, I don't. I literally don't care. I'll If I get a wild hair up my ass to see how different it is, I'll pay a billion dollars on eBay and check it out there. I but, mean, it, it, they reprinted it. Repr- they will reprint it if it ever comes out. Like they've 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 reprinted the Golden Age, which was the only one that finished, the only arc that finished. Uh-huh. There was two other arcs that never finished, and all solicitations disappeared for them about a year ago. And Marvel has been pretty quiet about it since. It's almost like Neil Gaiman's highest priority is not comic books anymore. Uh-huh. Maybe. Well, I mean, maybe if people could make a living on comic books. I'm sure he makes a lot more money off of certainly off of American Gods at this point. Yes, true. I don't know. Would you would you would you say it's worth reading one time? Maybe. I mean, I don't like. I'm not like upset that I read it. Mm-hmm. I'm upset that it took me so long. I had to spend so much of my precious time on it. Hmm. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's uh, been hard to commit to this. I would say it's worth... I, I, I think it's interesting, and I think it's worth reading once. Uh, I think the art is nice, even despite it, the, 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 the changing artists. For the most part, I think the art is good. Uh, I think it's interesting, especially if... I mean, I think most Alan Moore completionists are going to read it regardless. But I think it's worth it just because, you know, how many... How many people are in that that place that Alan Moore is at, where I kind of like, well, I've I've read everything he's written because I want to feel the completeness of it, even if it's not good. So I think once, I mean, I we bought, I think I bought all three of these for a total of three fifty. Yeah, which I mean, helps. It's worth it's worth that, but like I could still stand. I I, I don't know. To an extent, it feels like some wasted potential because it just it goes off into. I, you know what I would compare it directly to is um, the Grant Morrison X Men because it definitely like that last book of the Grant Morrison X Men mm-hmm. is exactly as retarded as this, and I think that this actually does start off kind of feeling okay. I'd say that I like more of the Grant Morrison X-Men than I like of this, but I I don't know. I'd say they're just about as flawed. I think Grant Morrison X-Men is much better than this. I agree with you. Okay. But I still hate Grant Morrison's X-Men. <laughs> I don't hate it at I, all. I like the first I like the first part and then I hate it. And I think the f- I, I I think this I think it really does start out okay. No, I think it's it's just a it's very aimless and mm-hmm. all the things Al, Alan Moore is usually anything like of all his like of think of Watchmen it feels so scripted it feels so tight and yeah. like it feels like everything is purposeful and this is the opposite of that it feels aimless and unfocused and feels like a bunch of ideas thrown at the page uh that don't pay off uh, but i still suggest reading it checking it out 
if you have the time, because it's Alan Moore and it's interesting things in there. And I think it's worth, sometimes it's, it's worth looking at failures to see why they, what, you know, the missteps they take and compare them to, I mean, look at this and then looking directly at Watchmen, it feel like it's an interesting comparison between the two and how one thing works and why another thing doesn't. All right, guys, that was Miracle Man, Volumes 1 through 3 by Alan Moore. And uh, I can re-list the artists once again. Um, Gary Leach, Alan Davis, Chuck Austin, Rick Veitch, and John Tuttleman. Next week, we're going to be doing Extremity. The sixth issue comes out. By the time you listen to this, it will be out by Daniel Warren Johnson. So we're mm-hmm. issues 1 through 6 of Extremity. Check that out. Should be, I'm subscribed to it because it's a dang good comic book. We'll be talking about that five or six days. Uh, we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there. Facebook at facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter at hbchour. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. If you like the show, give us a five-star review on iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts. Excuse me. Uh, subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, word of mouth is the most valuable kind of uh, recommendation. So we definitely appreciate anyone who takes the time to do that. You can find me on Twitter at Robbie Darman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? You can find me right here. Oh. I mean, you can go to Free Will Unlimited and look at my artwork. And you can go to Eric Z. Goodnight and look at more artwork. And also look at other things that I do. Like my Instagram, where there's artwork. And my Twitter, where there's artwork. I'm known as Easy Goodnight on both of these things. You like how I changed it up this time? You did. Good job. It's, it's awkward. <laughs> That's true. Change change is hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll do it. Have a good one. Rock and roll. <laughs>